You are listening to audio from Pastor Mark Driscoll. To find more helpful content like this, as well as daily devotions, Ask Pastor Mark videos, resources for leaders, and much more, visit markdriscoll.org. While there, you can also make a donation that will help support the ministry and subscribe to continue getting Bible-based teaching. If you live in or are visiting the greater Phoenix Valley, please feel free to come and see Pastor Mark at the Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you for listening and being a part of Mark Driscoll Ministries. And remember, it's all about Jesus. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas and happy birthday to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the biggest birthday in the history of the world. And we're really, really, really excited to celebrate it with you. If you've got a Bible, go to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And and we're going to hear the Christmas story again. But you know what? There are some things you can hear them over and over and over, and they just don't get old. Amen? Every night when my daughter comes up, says, I love you, Daddy, gives me a kiss. I never think, I've heard this before. Do you have nothing new? I'm very glad to hear it every time. When I walk in the door and my wife, Grace, says, welcome home, best friend. I never think to myself, same thing every day. I wish I got something new. I'm very glad to hear it every time. When you hear that you are loved, when you hear that someone cares for you, when you hear that someone wants a relationship with you, when you hear that someone is committed to you, that someone adores you, that someone wants to do life with you, that sounds good every time. Amen? And that's the whole message and the meaning of Christmas that God the Father sent his son to extend loving relationship to us. And so every Christmas we get to revisit this great story of the greatest birth of the greatest person who has ever lived in the history of the world. So we'll kickstart this good news of great joy in Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 12. Here's the story. In the same region there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now we tend to think of shepherds as more of a prestigious role, but in that day it was not yet so. Jesus would say that he was the good shepherd and he's come to lay down his life for the sheep. But up until this point, shepherds were sort of dejected and rejected. They were outcast and marginalized because most people would live with other people in town. These are people who lived with animals outside of town. These are really rural earthy folk. And shepherds were a little peculiar, a little odd. They couldn't participate in normal religious services. They couldn't come to services like this to worship God, participate in the feasts and the festivals and the holidays because they couldn't leave their flock. They're living outside. They're nomadic. They don't have an address. You can't visit them. You can't find them. And they had a reputation for not being altogether honest and sometimes even being thieves. And so it's really peculiar at the birth of Jesus that an angel would show up and would make the announcement to the shepherds. Nobody ever went looking for the shepherds. No one could find the shepherds. The shepherds never had any great visitors. They didn't receive a lot of good news. And they were never pulled into the center of anything historically significant. But here's what we see. That God loves everyone and he pursues those that no one pursues. That he invites in those who have been rejected. And that's good news for all of us. Amen? It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, or how others perceive you. Today, God extends a hand of invitation and loving relationship to you as he did the shepherds. And so the story continues, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Here comes an angel. An angel is a messenger and a minister sent on behalf of God. These are spirit beings that were created by God to serve him and speak on his behalf. And they're deployed to give a message about the coming of Jesus into human history. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
All of a sudden, God's heavenly presence is manifesting itself on earth. God's eternal glory is entering into human history. All of a sudden, heaven starts to visit earth. The kingdom of God starts to visit the kingdoms of the earth. And God begins to be unveiled around the person and the birth of Jesus Christ. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Can you imagine this? You're a shepherd. Out in the middle of nowhere, it's totally dark. It's you and the sheep, not a lot. All of a sudden, there's an angel. That's different. And the glory of the Lord. And they were afraid. When people who are sinful come into the presence of a holy and righteous God, there is a certain amount of consternation, of fear, of dread, of of concern for your own regard and well-being. And so what the angel tells them is fear not. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? The most common frequent command in the whole Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation is fear not. Some 150 times it says in some form or fashion, do not be afraid or fear not. Why? Because we are people who always have something to fear. We don't know what the future holds and we fear what might be coming for us or we do anticipate that we know what the future might hold and it seems as though it will be painful and difficult for us. So we live in fear. And one of the things that God intends to do is to remove from us fear by giving us faith that even though we don't know the future, we just need to know the one who does. And even though we don't rule the future, we just need to trust the one who will. And that's the revelation that comes from the angel. Fear not, he says. Um, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people. Good news of great joy, For all the people. This is really amazing. Most religions are only committed to their people, their kind. You need to be from their ancestry. You need to know their language. You need to be part of their ethnicity and or their history. That God only likes their kind, not all kind. That's why we have so much division globally, particularly around the issue of religion and spirituality. But the good news about Jesus Christ, he's come not just for one group or some group of people, but for all the people. And this is extraordinary because that means that Jesus loves all races, all nations, all tribes, all tongues, all peoples, all colors, all backgrounds, all life stages. That God has a heart for the whole world, that God loves the whole world, that Jesus is on a rescue mission for all people's times and places. And it's amazing to me that we live in a day where there's this great longing for unity around diversity, where there would be reconciliation among various peoples and groups. And that's only made possible when the Lord Jesus Christ Christ as at the center in all nations and all kingdoms and all peoples and all times and all cultures and all races all gather together around the Lord Jesus. And as we come around the Lord Jesus, we come together and that's where there's unity. So it's good news of great joy for all the people. It doesn't matter what your race is, what your ethnicity is, what your gender is, what your past is, what your convictions have been. The good news of Jesus Christ is for all people, and that includes all of us people. It's good news of great joy for all the people. It's good news of great joy. So sadly, some present Jesus so dourly, so unhappily. Jesus is joyful. Jesus is 
glad. Jesus is not going to be like going to the dentist forever. You just need to know that. When you go to heaven, it won't be like an eternal dentist trip or an eternal time at the DMV waiting in line for your number. It's not like that. Jesus is happy. He's joyful. That's why kids run up to him. They don't do that to religious people, right? Religious people don't have this problem where it's like all the children want to hang out with me all the time because I'm so fun. Jesus is so fun. People invite him to parties, And the religious people, oh, he's a drunkard, a glutton, a friend of sinners. They're like, no, he's just fun to be with. So we invite him to our parties. We invite him into our life. And when he says, you want to come with me forever into my eternal kingdom? It's like, yes, I do, Lord Jesus, because you're awesome. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have fun with none of the sin. And everybody who's with Jesus is going to have a good time. Amen. It's great joy, great joy. Let's make a covenant that next year we're going to try and put a little more great joy in our faith, in our Christianity, in our hope, in our relationship with Jesus. Good news, great joy, all the people. Good news. There is good news. I don't know if you've noticed this. There's not a lot of good news today. How many of you have watched the news recently? And it wasn't, oh, look at all the people being forgiven and loved and embracing one another and enduring with one another. It's just a big hug fest. And You know, a lot of matching sweatshirts and tandem bike rides. Everybody's just getting along. It's not that way because sin has entered the world and with it comes conflict. And there's not a lot of good news, but the person and work of Jesus, there's the good news. What this literally means is gospel. It's good news. It's good news. It's not just true news. Christianity is true news, but it's also good news. Because the phone book is true news, but it's not that exciting right? That an Ikea how to put together the furniture manual is true, but not all that joyful and exciting. When it comes to the news of Jesus, it's all true, but it's good news. It's news you want to hear. It's news you want to know. It's news you want to share. And I need you to know this, that all religions believe in good advice. Do this, don't do that. All religions believe in good works. Help these people who are struggling, poor, sick, and dying. Only Christianity, in addition to good advice and good deeds, has good news. And the good news is not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has done. It's not about who we are. It's about who he is. It's not about what we do to please God. It's what God does so that we might become pleasing in his sight. And that's the good, good, good news. And you need to know that only Christianity offers good news. Only Christianity offers good news. Our problem is sin. Our problem is death. It doesn't matter how many wars we wage, how many elections we hold, how many organizations we start, or how many dollars we tax. There is still not good news. People are suffering and struggling. We keep dealing with the fruit of the problem, not the root of the problem. Only Jesus can get the shovel that deep down to the root of sin. He's the only one who can really truly deal with it. And the good news is that he has come to do just that. Atheism has no good news. There is no God. You come from no one. You're here for no reason. And when you die, you go nowhere. I don't know about you. That doesn't sound like good news. Deism, there's really only five basic worldviews. Deism is God is far away like an absentee landlord or a deadbeat dad. And he doesn't get involved. He doesn't activate himself in any way. He just says, well, best of luck. You're on your own. That's not good news. That's the kid in home alone. That's not good news, right? 
The third view is pantheism or panentheism, and that is that the whole world is basically imbued with this cosmic force that is impersonal, good and bad, not outside of the system, able to enter into the system, redeem, help, serve, and save those of us who are trapped in a sin-fallen and cursed world. That's not good news. And religion tells you, you made your bed, sleep in it. You made your problem, fix it. Reincarnate, pay off your karmic debt, make some holy pilgrimage, suffer, pay God back. On one shoulder, there's a good angel. On the other shoulder, there's a bad angel. They're both keeping score. Let's just hope that your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds by the end of your life. I don't know about you, that's not good news, right? That's actually not even helpful, that's scary. And if you're honest with yourself, you're like, I'm done, I'm just dead, I'm cooked. Right? I'm not a good person. And if I had a monitor that showed all my thoughts, for sure everyone would agree with that. Amen? We all are sinners by nature and choice. And the truth is that if there is no God or God won't help or God can't help or all God says is help yourself, none of that is good news. Here's the good news. God loves us. God seeks us. God saves us. God pursues us. God forgives us in the person of Jesus that there is a creator who enters into creation. There is a God who enters into human history. There is one who's willing to associate and affiliate with us. He's willing to live as we lived. He's willing to suffer as we've suffered. He's willing to be tempted as we've been tempted. He's willing to die as we should die. And he rises to conquer our deepest enemies of Satan, sin, death, hell. He delivers us from the wrath of God. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us eternal citizenship. He gives us his righteousness. Merry Christmas. This is all really good news. Amen. Whatever bow you take off, whatever wrappings you unpack, you're not going to get anything that is as great, glorious, and grand as the gift of salvation through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so all of this good news, I'm pretty excited. It's good news of great joy for how many people? All the people. Good news, great joy, all the people. And it's all around the birth of this man, this person, Jesus Christ. And, and we're told three things. He's the savior. You really need a savior. If your house is on fire, you're glad to see the fireman. If you're hurting, you're really glad to see the paramedic. If a bad guy shows up, you're really glad to see the cops, right? If somebody invades, you're really glad to see the soldier. When Satan, sin, death, and hell come for you, it's really nice to have a savior, someone who gets involved, someone who participates, someone who defends you, someone who protects you, someone who rescues you. That's what it means that Jesus is the savior. That we don't have to save ourselves and we don't have to live as if there is no savior. We trust in the one who has come to be our savior. Number two, it says that he is the Christ. That means he's the anointed one. He's the chosen one. If this were a Lego movie, he would be the special. He would be the special. That's what it means to be the Christ. It was funnier than you thought. It was very funny. Hey, I'm working with what I got, man. All right, so when it says he's the Christ, he's the anointed, he's the chosen, he's the Messiah, he's the special one. There's no one like him. There's no one alongside of him. There's no one equal to him. There's no one that says what he says. There's no one who does what he does because there's no one who is what he is. And that's God become a man. That's God coming to save us, to seek us, to serve us, to love us, to heal us, to forgive us, to give us hope and redemption and joy in the future. It's good news of great joy for all the people. He is ultimately the Savior. He is the Christ. And it says that he is the Lord. This is a kingly title. 
When you think of Jesus, don't just think of him as a baby in a manger, but think of him as a God on a throne because that's how he is today. After his death, after his resurrection, returning to his ascension, he is in the place of exalted glory. And what we see here is that the angels are going to worship him. That's what the angels have always been doing. They were created as ministers and messengers to live in the presence of Jesus. 700 years before his birth, there's this tremendous vignette in Isaiah 6 where he says, I saw heaven open and I saw the Lord high and exalted and seated on a throne and surrounding him were angels crying out day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of his glory. I think it's in John 12, 41. He says that Isaiah saw Jesus and spoke of his glory. That Jesus is Lord. He rules and reigns. He was humble enough to get on his throne and come into a manger. God was willing to enter into human history. He added to his divinity, humanity. He associated and affiliated with us so that he could be the savior for us. But were you to see Jesus today, you would not see him in humility. You would see him in glory. You would not see him in a manger. You would see him on a throne. You would not see him surrounded by shepherds. You would see him surrounded by angels. And all they did at the birth of Jesus, they took their heavenly worship and brought it to the earth. And we will do the reverse, that we will take our earthly worship and we will bring it to heaven. And this is the story of the birth of Jesus, that he is the Lord. That means that he rules over all peoples, times, cultures, places, languages, that there is no one in authority alongside of him. There is no one in authority over him, that he is the most high God, that he is the only God, and that he has humbled himself and entered into human history. The story continues in their response. I want you to see that there is the revelation of who Jesus is and then there is the response. And that is my precedent and pattern for you today. And if you do not belong to the Lord Jesus, you need to know that his claims to be God are too staggering. His works of the supernatural and miraculous are too astounding. That his impact on human history is too altering for you to just ignore him. You need to make a decision regarding him. Will you respond to him as he's been revealed to you? Will you respond to him? That's exactly what everyone else does here in the second half of our text today. Luke 2, 13 begins, and suddenly there was an angel with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts. This is a whole angelic choir. Unbelievable. An angelic choir comes down from heaven, surrounds A poor peasant couple, Mary and Joseph, who are out of town in a small town called Bethlehem. They're in a manger where animals are kept. There is a little baby sitting in a feeding trough and angels show up. And what they're doing, they're revealing who he truly is, what his identity really is. Here's the creator entering into creation. Here is Emmanuel, God with us. Here's the chosen one, the anointed one, the awaited one. Here he is, and they begin worshiping him, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Glory means preeminence or weightiness. Who or what is at the center of your life holds the position of glory. It's who or what is most significant, most preeminent to you. Who or what is the center of your life, and that which your life orbits around, that is in the position of glory. Only God should be in the position of glory. Only God is fit to be in the position of glory. Jesus is therefore not to be somewhere on our list of priorities, but to be the center of our life around which everything else orbits and finds its intention. 
He says, glory to God in the highest, that God rules and reigns, not only over physical rulers, but spiritual rulers as well. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Our world is devoid of good news and peace. It is devoid of good news and peace. Until you have peace with God, you have no peace. Until you have peace with God, you cannot have peace with others. It is peace with God that provides the peace of God. When you belong to the Lord Jesus, you need to know that God is no longer angry with you. He loves you. That God is no longer seeking to punish you. He's seeking to help you. That God is no longer seeking justice for you. All he has is mercy for you. That when you belong to the Lord Jesus, you enter into this divine peace, this place of God's blessing and approval. It's not by what you have done. It is by what Jesus has done. It is not by who you are, but by who Jesus is. It is nothing that you have achieved. It's something that you have received. And it's this position of peace knowing my sins are forgiven. I belong to the Lord Jesus. My eternal destiny is sealed. God loves me. God forgives me. God will never leave me. God will never forsake me. God will never punish me. God will never be angry with me. All of that was taken care of by the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is good news of great joy for all the people. Amen? That is peace from God. That is peace with God. He goes on to say, glory to God in the highest and peace among those with whom he is pleased. I feel inclined to the Holy Spirit to tell you something. If you're a Christian, God is pleased with you. God is pleased with you. You say, but Pastor Mark, I have a lot of sin. That's why Jesus died. But Pastor Mark, there's a lot of regrets I have. That's why Jesus is forgiven you and also walking with you to change your life course to get you away in the future from the past that you've chosen. But Pastor Mark, I have so many regrets and so much condemnation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I have so much shame. He endured the cross scorning at shame. You have no shame. You have no condemnation. You have no guilt. You have no filth. God is pleased with you if you are in Christ. That when he went to the cross, he took all that you have done that is wrong and sinful and rebellious and he suffered and died for it and he gives you all of his obedience, all of his holiness and all of his righteousness. At the baptism of the Lord Jesus, God the Father says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And when you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, he says the same thing to you. This is my son, this is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Because you stand in the righteousness, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. This isn't in my notes. I didn't even intend to say it. I believe this is something the Holy Spirit just brought to mind to share with you. God, if you belong to Jesus Christ, is pleased with you. He is pleased with you. He doesn't see you by what you've done. He sees you by who you will be when Jesus is done with you. And he has hope for you and love for you and help for you and power for you and encouragement for you as he increasingly makes you more like Jesus. And Jesus doesn't want you to look at who you've been. He wants you to look at who he is because we become like that which we focus upon. So we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen? God is pleased with you. That's exactly what is declared. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
When the angels went away from them into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Can you imagine this? You're a shepherd. You're outcast. You're out in the middle of nowhere. It's dark. You're camping for a living and you talk to animals because that's all you've got for social relationships. All of a sudden, the glory of the Lord shows up. Angels speak to you. You get a heavenly choir, pretty awesome. And then you realize, I got to go figure out where Jesus is. I got to see who this baby is. I need to see what this story is. They take the information that God has revealed to them and they act upon it. That's what Christianity is. It's revelation from God and then obedience, walking in conjunction with the revelation that God gives. This is who Jesus is. We need to pursue this. Some of you know who Jesus is, but you have not pursued him. As soon as they learned who Jesus was, they pursued him. They literally made steps toward him. That would be my encouragement and exhortation toward you today. That many people today, even on this great, glorious, and good grand holiday, they know about Jesus, but they don't make any progress pursuing him, getting to know him, gathering near to him. That's exactly what the shepherds do. They take the revelation and the information and it leads on their behalf to action. And when they saw it, they made known. So now they're arriving and they're seeing the the Lord Jesus born. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. They say, you'll never guess what happened. An angel showed up and told us. And I'm sure Mary and Joseph were like, we know what that's like because an angel showed up and talked to Joseph and an angel showed up and talked to Mary. And now an angel shows up and talks to the shepherds. All of this is God revealing, making it abundantly clear. The Messiah's here, the Savior's here, the one you've been longing for and waiting for. He's finally, finally, finally here. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. This is, this is staggering. This is unbelievable. Isn't it great that God was used as his messengers, shepherds? People who are outside of power, not in the center of power. People who are uneducated, not people who are educated. People who do not have an audience, but by talking about the Lord Jesus, an audience begins to grow. That means that all of us can pursue the Lord Jesus. All of us can learn about the Lord Jesus. And all of us can speak about the Lord Jesus to others. That's what the shepherds are doing. But Mary, I love Mary, teenage gal, peasant, poor. She's away from home. She's just given birth in the middle of nowhere. She's been through a lot. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. They're singing all the way home. For all they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. And at the end of the eight days, he, that is Jesus, was circumcised. He was called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. God reveals, we respond. God reveals, we respond. God reveals, we respond. The Lord Jesus Christ is revealed as Lord God, Savior, King, and Christ in all of his glory. What do the angels do? They respond by singing and celebrating and worshiping. We're going to do that in just a moment. We're going to join the angelic choir. And when we sing, you need to know this, that there is this opportunity for our voices to join with the angelic voices and ascend into the presence of the Lord Jesus. And as he was first worshiped on the earth, he's worshiped for all eternity. And as we worship, we participate in something supernatural, something divine. As we sing to the Lord Jesus, he is able to hear our song and it coalesces with the angels. And all of a sudden, the kingdom of God is among the people of God. And there is a connection between us and God through singing and worshiping, through singing and worshiping. And so the angels sing. 
The angels sing. How do the shepherds worship? They worship by singing as well as telling others about Jesus. Part of our worship is singing to Jesus and sharing Jesus with others. So even think about it. Who has Jesus brought in your life, in your path? Who do you work with? Family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, in-laws, outlaws. Those are you are going to have you know, dinner with tonight for Christmas. Who is in your path that really their biggest problem is sin and they really need a savior? That rather than just getting frustrated with them because of who they are, introduce them to Jesus and see who they become. Some of you say, they may reject me. Well, it is good news of great joy for all the people and God gives us an opportunity to share it with other people. That's part of our worship. Not just to be frustrated with people because of their sin, but to be hopeful for people because there is a savior. And you think of who you would be. I know who I would be apart from Jesus. It's terrifying. Mark with the Holy Spirit is still a problem. Mark without the Holy Spirit is a serious problem, right? Imagine who you would be apart from Jesus. And rather than getting frustrated with people, we need to be sharing Jesus with people. The shepherds start talking about Jesus and Mary's more of an introvert. How many of you are more introverts? You're more contemplative. She's had, a, she's had a long day. She's walked a long ways. She's given birth to God. I mean, it's been a big day, right? For a teenage girl, big day. She sits down and she realizes, oh, God's plan has come true. God's promises are yes. God's prophecies are in fact verified through my womb with the birth of this son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we all need to make sure that we get a little time this holiday season. Silence, solitude, prayer, contemplation, consideration. Lord Jesus, who are you? Who do I think you are? Who do I claim you to be? Am I pursuing you? Do I know you? Am I, am I listening to you? Do I have a relationship with you? Am I forgiven by you? Are you my savior? Let me say this. Your most, the most important thing about you is your belief about Jesus Christ. The most important thing about you is your belief about Jesus Christ. And the angel named him Jesus, so they followed in obedience and named him Jesus. Does anyone know what the name Jesus means? God saves his people from their sins. Jesus did not come just to give us a good example. He didn't come just to give us some good deeds. He came to bring us some good news. And that is that sin is the problem, that Jesus is the solution, that there is only one Savior, there is only one Lord, there is only one God, there is only one solution, there is only one path, there is only one hope, and his name is Jesus. And that ultimately is what his name means. God saves his people from their sins. Let me tell you this, either Jesus died for your sins or your sins will put you to death. And apart from Jesus, there's no victory over sin. There's no eternal life. There is no resurrection. There is no presence of God. There is no good news apart from Jesus. But with Jesus, the future is nothing but good news. I have good news for you, Christian. This is as close to hell as you will ever be. This is as close to hell as you'll ever be. Non-Christian friend whom I love, hear me. I have bad news for you. This is as close to heaven as you will ever be. You have a decision to make about who Jesus is, what Jesus says, and what Jesus has done. His claims are too staggering. He claimed to be God. His works are too magnificent. He walked on water. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He, he, gave, he gave the ability of the deaf to hear, and he caused the dead to rise. 
that more songs have been sung about him, more paintings painted of him, more books written regarding him than anyone who has lived in the history of the world. This humble, marginalized Galilean peasant is one around whom our entire calendar hinges into B.C. before Christ, A.D. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. And his birthday, Christmas, it's the biggest deal every year, every nation, every people, every group, everyone stops, everyone takes the day off, everyone gathers together to remember the birth of the most significant person in the history of the world. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you believe that Jesus is? Who are you trusting that Jesus is? His name literally means God saves his people from their sins. And so today, here we are, part of the great church of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years later, billions of people on the earth worshiping Jesus. Merry Christmas, Trinity Church, and happy birthday, Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. I love you. I'm so excited. I've been up since four o'clock in the morning. I'm so excited. This is our first ever Christmas service as a church. And I love you. And I'm glad to be here with you. How about we take communion, remembering Jesus' body and blood? How about we sing some songs and join the angels? Does that sound okay? And let me say this too. If the kids want, they can come up and have a dance party. I know. You know, you need to get your wiggles out. Nacho Libre says you got to get your wiggles out. So if you kids want to come up and dance, you're welcome to do so. And if you need prayer, go over to my left. I'm going to invite the band up. I'll pray. And we're going to have a little Jesus party. Amen? Amen? All right. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came. Thank you that you came as our Savior. Thank you that you are the Christ. Thank you that you are our Lord. Thank you that we have hope, that we have forgiveness, that we have life, that we have a future because we have a God who has come on a rescue mission to seek and to save us. Lord God, we are like the shepherds, outcast, and you bring us near. We're like Mary and Joseph. Nobody's from nowhere, but we're blessed to invite you, Lord Jesus, into our home. God, I pray if any don't know you today, that Holy Spirit, you would give them life new life, eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to believe in who Jesus is, what Jesus says, and what Jesus has done. And Lord, I thank you for this church, these people who I love with my whole heart, a beautiful, glorious, grand and good church family, races and life stages and and, and economic backgrounds and beliefs and experiences all gathered around the person of Jesus, becoming a beautiful family. Lord God, thank you for this first Christmas service at the Trinity Church. We we plant our flag in the ground today, and it says Jesus. And Lord Jesus, this is a great day. This is the day we remember your birthday. This is the day that we look forward to the coming of your kingdom. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead. We look forward to good news of great joy for all people for all time in Jesus name. Amen.